This is The Saucer Life, a podcast in which we examine concepts, events, or people orbiting the world of flying saucers. Few preconceptions, snark when justified, no belief, no debunking. Today, we're finishing up the story of the Gulf Breeze 6 and the subsequent work of Vance Davis. Now, if you missed the first part of our look at the Gulf Breeze 6 story, go back and check that out. Otherwise, you might be a little bit lost. But just as a brief recap, in the summer of 1990, six soldiers who were stationed at an army base in Augsburg, West Germany, as it was at the time, abandoned their posts and headed to the United States, eventually winding up in Gulf Breeze, Florida. They were subsequently arrested. They claimed that messages received through a Ouija board predicted massive disasters in the coming months and years, and they wanted to get that message to people in authority. They were released from their obligations to the army, which is a nice way of saying kicked out of the army, and given general discharges, although this would be misrepresented in the years to come by the people involved and by many who have written about the subject as them having received honorable discharges, which if you listen to our first part, you'll find out is a very different thing. Now, for the most part, the Gulf Breeze 6 tried to get back to some kind of normal after that. But Vance Davis kept running with the ball and seemed to have attempted to build some kind of post-army career out of the experiences that he had. And that's what we're going to look at today. Not long after all of this occurred with the Gulf Breeze 6, we see some discussion of them in Jacques Vallée's book, Revelations, Alien Contact and Human Deception. And he points out some things that are pretty interesting. He does say that they got general discharges. So good, uh, good for you, Jacques. Proud of you for getting that detail right. But he, he asks some questions like, um, how did they know? nearly one month in advance, that war was about to erupt in the Middle East. And this is something that comes up a lot, that they predicted the Gulf War, which began just a month after this whole Gulf Breeze 6 thing happened. But looking in the actual documents from the army, which are reproduced in the back of Vance Davis's book, which we'll get to in a little bit, they don't actually, in those documents or in news stories and things, talk about a war in the Middle East in specific enough terms to really make me think that that's what they were predicting. So here's the thing. Those documents, Vance Davis's affidavit in particular, talk about terrorism against the United States from a Middle Eastern nation in the, in the early 1990s, bombings and things like that. He said he could not predict a precise location. Now, even if the prediction about the Gulf War in particular that he would talk about later that they did get this prediction right. Even if they had made that prediction at the time, even if that was a prediction that came about in May or June of 1990. Here's the thing. Valet asks, how could they have predicted the Gulf War? Well, let's just look at some um, headlines around the world for May and June of 1990, June 18th. Mid-East Cauldron heats up again. Um, 
Iraqi uh, June 1st, Iraqi summit offers old hostility. May 27th, Iraq's weapons craze threatens Middle East peace. June 2nd, Iraq's nuclear clock, clock keeps ticking. May 1st, um, arms for the Middle East, the foreign pipeline. May 9th, 1990, Iraq says it can make nuclear triggers. Now, and Israel takes Iraqi claim at face value. Now, it, it may seem kind of cliched to say so, but even if there were a very specific prediction about a war in the Middle East involving Iraq that was published before, published so people could see it and we would have evidence of people seeing it before the actual Iraqi invasion of Kuwait in the late summer of 1990, you know, I'm not going to say it's an even money bet that just paying attention to the news, especially foreign policy uh, press and what foreign policy analysts are saying. I'm not saying it would be an even money bet or anything like that, but it's a pretty safe prediction to make. And as with all predictions and or prophecies, you can always say that, well, something changed. Fele also questioned in Revelations about um, why the government uh, was so lenient on them when they had uh, when they had gone AWOL. We talked about that in the last episode. But he, he does he does raise some good points that there might be some collusion, some manipulation going on with the whole situation, which I, I think is a, a reasonable thing to think. So what does Vance Davis do next? Well, he uh, he gets married. They move out to Albuquerque, and he starts lecturing and, and teaching and talking about his experiences uh, on the on the local scene. And then in 1994, he does a conference presentation at the. Let me make sure I get the name of this conference right. The National New Age Cosmic Conspiracies and UFO Conference, uh, put on by Timothy Green Beckley. Uh, at May 20th through the 23rd at the Travel Lodge at the Zoo, San Diego, California. Subjects include, according to the official program, alien implants, UFO secrets of the Third Reich, underground bases, time travel, earth changes, crop circles, aromatherapy, channelers, Area 51, and angels. Let's see if you can spot the thing that doesn't seem like it belongs, like aromatherapy. In any case, Davis will be presenting the Saturday evening keynote in his first public appearance ever, it is it is said here, and he'll be doing a workshop on Saturday at 3 p.m. Guess who's helping him with the workshop? It's a guy named Sean David Morton, who had had some predictions of his own over the years. We, we've got to do a Sean David Morton episode at some point. I'm not sure, not sure my stomach's up to that, but... We should probably do that at some point. According to the two-page spread in the official uh, the official um, program for the conference, uh, Vance Davis was the former uh, formerly of military intelligence and leader of the Gulf Breeze Six. So, what does the official program have to say about all this? How does it describe what the Gulf Breeze Six were up to? According to his own account, it all started when Davis and the others began to receive psychic warnings about forthcoming earth changes and an attempt by covert elements within the military to establish a multiple jurisdictional task force that would restore law and order by breaching the U.S. Constitution and replacing the FBI, the National Guard, FDA, DEA, and IRS with a national police force known as the Black Guard. As Davis later revealed... We were told we needed to get out of the military because they said it is not going to be good in there. We asked why, and the response was because they are going to start marking soldiers, and they didn't want us to get marked. 
the program goes on to explain that Davis still doesn't understand how the entire affair got, quote, so far out of hand. And he says that, quote, there's a possibility that forces loyal to the New World Order were working hard behind the scenes to foster a disinformation campaign against the soldiers that went way beyond the norm, clearly showing the near mass hysteria that was being conveyed by the military in what was seen by them as a clear breach of security, end quote. Now, I don't know. It, it didn't seem like there was that much hysteria in the press about it. There were a few wire service reports, some local news ser- newspapers and, and Gulf Breeze talked about it. But, you know, it was a weird little thing. You got some army folks who are kind of culty and they went AWOL and then they were caught. That's about the whole story as far as the press was concerned. But now – Four years later, and without those newspaper reports to hand, most people would just read that and think, oh, wow, yeah, it must have gotten really blown out of proportion if they say so like that. The article in the official program recaps um, recaps Jacques Vallée's concerns from um, from the Revelations book. And then it, uh, it does quote this from Vallée that uh, one of the things that happened that was very interesting was – a local media outlets in Florida, and I think uh, Jim Mosley originally reported this, local media outlets in Florida received a teletype that read, U.S. Army, free the Gulf Breeze 6. We have the missing files, the box of 500 plus photos and plans you want back. So there's some, there's some indication or some suspicion that the Army released them because they didn't want this information, whatever this box of 500 photos and plans was, out in the public. So – Vance Davis also talks a little bit about what he sees as the danger in the future for America. All of us are very patriotic, Vance has stated. I personally believe in the Constitution. I believe in this country. I will die for this country even to this day. The true meaning of this country, what the Founding Fathers did, not what is now. I believe in freedom of thought. I believe in freedom of choice. And when that choice is taken away, I will die for it. And that choice is being taken away. So it's not just about earthquakes and natural disasters and, and war in the Middle East or, or anything like that. It's also about this vision or this idea that is circulating that maybe the country isn't going in the direction that the founding fathers wanted it to. There's a political angle here that will, will come out a little bit, uh, a little bit later as well. Um, and then the, the program explains that he will uh, talk about how the Gulf Breeze 6 came to be involved. He will reveal the possible identity of the Antichrist, the existence of various races of alien beings who continue to arrive on Earth, our economic future, collapse of society, and much, much more. Well, after the collapse of society, I, I, I don't know what else much, much more there might be. And during the workshop uh, that will be co-hosted by Sean David Morton, Davis will, quote, try to draw upon the same energies that provided so much accurate information to the Gulf Breeze 6 in order to enable those intending to receive firsthand information about the times just ahead, which will include many dramatic shifts in awareness for each and every one of us. This promises to be an incredible experience no one should miss, end quote. So, He's going to bring a Ouija board, I think is what they're saying. So we also get a, a little a little biographical blurb by Vance Davis about, uh, about his life. I was born in Wichita, Kansas. I'm now 29 years of age. I'm a graduate of Silva Mind Control. That is how military intelligence and the NSA knew about my abilities when I went into the military at age 18. 
I was in for around seven years until I went AWOL to bring events and happenings that are to occur in the next 20 years. Our true goal, which is to start at this time, is to share the new thought and prepare those in the world who are not in these groups. In July of this year, I am publishing a new magazine called The Keepsake Forum. I am also working on a 300-page book about my wife and I and the events of 1990 and beyond. I hope to have it completed in May of this year. I can be contacted at Box 13406, Albuquerque, New Mexico, 87692-3406. I've not been able to find any um, any issues of the Keepsake Journal. When I search for it, all I get are online discussion boards about Hallmark Christmas tree ornaments. Also, something I can't find is the actual speech that um, that Davis gave at the National New Age Cosmic Conspiracies and UFO Conference in 1994. If anybody has that somewhere, I don't know why you would, but if anybody has that, please let me know. I would love to. Uh, I would love to take a look at that. A couple months after this conference, in June of nine, actually a month after the conference, rather in June of 1994. Vance Davis had the first of his, what I believe are two appearances on Coast to Coast AM with Art Bell. And this is, this is early Coast to Coast back in 1994. So it's kind of interesting to, um, to, to see that. And at the beginning of the episode, Art is, you know, talking about how he remembers all of this happening at the time in 1990. I wonder how many of you remember a story that was circulating, a strange story that was circulating about Six GIs, six military folk, who somehow, and we're about to get the story, by the way, got together, used a Ouija board, went off on some sort of odyssey, um, A-W-O-L, and uh, then were strangely, inexplicably, given an honorable discharge. None of the story made any sense to me. I was always trying to reach out and find out more. This morning, this evening, this morning, whatever, we're going to do that. We're going to find out more because I have a guest who was one of the six. His name is Vance Davis. Oh, again, with the honorable discharge nonsense. Art, I expect a higher standard of broadcast journalism from the man who brought us, I don't know, Mel's Hole and too much Al Bielek and John Lear. In any case... Once Davis is on the show, they, they run down the, uh, the, the basic story and they get to the Ouija board stuff and, and Art asks some questions about how these communications went. And it's, it's interesting because, um, it's nice to get this, this sort of insight into the entire process because we didn't get that with the, uh, with, with the, the government documents and the, um, the, the newspaper articles. All right, so tell me, uh, how did it go exactly? I mean, here it is, moving around. Uh, you ask, no doubt, who it is or what it is, and mm -hmm. what answer did you get? Well, we got introduced, uh, basically. She said, and it was a woman. It felt very womanly, I guess, in the way it was moving. Uh, a person named Sapphire. And we asked who it was and, and uh, she, you know, where she was from. And she basically said she used to be a woman from... Uh, Georgia, believe it or not. <laughs> Georgia. Yeah, so it was someone in the other realm, uh, which had me and both Ken and most of us, uh, really spooked because I'm we're sure. talking so called to a dead person. Stand your hair straight on end, I'm sure. Uh, yeah, I think, uh, we, we ended up getting a few more questions and we quit for the rest of the night. 
The name Sapphire did turn up in uh, Ken Beeson's affidavit as, as the name of the being that uh, that the the six talked to through the Ouija board. And here's another question. We've got the spirit of this dead woman, and this would change over time exactly who all they were talking to. Not just change, but expand and get, and get more complex. At, at this point in the Art Bell interview, they're not talking about talking to the Virgin Mary, which was talked about in the original affidavits and reports and things like that. But there's one really good question that Art asks that Vance's answer for isn't terribly satisfying. What did you ask, by the way? Uh, we basically uh, asked... Who she uh, was, where she was, and what else? And why, why are they contacting us? Why were they talking to us? And we were basically given the answer because we wouldn't listen any other way. The we there that he's referring to is humanity wouldn't listen to the messages any other way without this means of communication, which I, I, I always think is such a strange thing. Well, why why are you communicating with me? Um, Sapphire from the Ouija board who used to, to live in Georgia or Orthon of Venus or whoever. Well, you know, you are somebody everybody will listen to. We, we cannot go to the leaders. We cannot go to the masses. We need to speak through people like you. Why? Why do you need to speak through people like whoever? Why not? It's a cliche. Why not land on the White House lawn? Why not land in Times Square? Why not just sort of make yourself known to all of humanity at once and speak a message that everybody needs to hear? Why go through these various conduits? After talking a little bit about the predictions that uh, that, that the six made, including earthquakes in Iran and um, war in the Middle East and, and terrorist attacks and, and things like that. We'll get to those descriptions or those predictions in uh, in detail once we get to Vance Davis's book here in a little bit. But um, Davis does offer a distinction between a prophecy and a prediction. Uh, as most people want, just to educate a little bit, predictions are way different from prophecies. Uh, there's rumors going around these are prophecies. No, they're predictions. Predictions are put out so that changes can be made, so they won't happen. He's he's going to educate all of us who don't know any better, even though I think he actually has it backwards. If you look at the prophetic tradition in the Hebrew Bible and, and, and things like that, prophets are sent not just to, to tell what might happen, but to deliver warnings. Uh, if you look at, at prophecies in the Hebrew Bible, it's very much turn from your ways or else, and and that's sort of what he's saying a prediction is um I, so he's he's a little he's a little backwards on that part art also asks some questions about why they decided to leave germany and come to the united states if they had a message that had to get out why could they not broadcast that message from augsburg i felt we had a domestic enemy working within the government and i wanted to be i want we wanted to make an impact to let people know that things were going on or things could go on that weren't right. All right. Why couldn't you do that from Germany? Well, if you go to your chain of command and tell them you've been talking with the Ouija board. Yeah, I've got And you. you've done research. I, I'm with you. Still, our, it's real funny. In my view and my knowledge, eight, almost eight years in the military, you make an example of soldiers that go AWOL. You don't give them honorable discharges. Certainly true. Well, hey, you're right on, Vance, because nobody gave you an honorable discharge, you liar. So that's not snark. That's just me saying the truth. So in addition to the usual Art Bell back and forth with the interviewee, we also have 
some callers. There, there are some callers who call in, as is Coast to Coast AM's basically that, – that's, that's one of their best gimmicks, right? There's a reason Art Bell survived when other talk shows from the same era about the same topics didn't thrive and, and survive as well as Coast to Coast AM. And uh, here's an example of a call who wanted to talk to Davis. All right. Uh, on the wild card line, you're on the air with Vance Davis. Hello. Good morning. This is Fritz from Phoenix calling. Hello, Fritz. Vance, you sure shook everybody up in the UFO community because you guys ended up in Golf Place. Of course, as you know, Golf Place is the number one hotspot in UFO sightings in North yes. America. Yeah, it is. Yep. And, uh, Wait a minute. Was there any connection at all, Vance? We knew about it, uh, but it wasn't the purpose. We just went there to visit a couple women that we right. wanted to come with us. All right. Well, there you are uh, for its... No Thank you, bro. UFO. Had any one of you had any UFO sightings? Uh, I had one, believe it or not, in Art Bell's hometown. Uh, I was there about uh, two weeks ago. You were you were in Pahrump? I was in I was in Las Vegas. Las Vegas, all right. Las Vegas. Uh, I saw an interesting. I don't know. UFO is a very catchy word. I saw an. It wasn't a plane, and it was a weird light and a single light that moved. Probably, I would guess about close to eight thousand miles an hour because we're taught how to track planes, and uh, that thing moved faster than everything I've ever seen. So. And it was inside the atmosphere, not outside the atmosphere. Well, keep looking up there. All right, thanks, Fritz. Boy, that's uh, uh, we are the center of that, uh, Vance. There's no question about it. I, I, I love it. Uh, just, you know, here's, here's the Ouija board and the mysterious government stuff and predictions about the future that have, that have come true and, and all of this very sort of dire stuff. The first call, have you seen a UFO? Is that why you went to Gulf Breeze? You know, it, it's, it's, thanks, Fritz. Um, you know, it's oh, it's it's delightful, and of course, of course, Vance has to come up with a, a UFO story from there in um in in Vegas, and you sort of hear Art Bell's tone. He sort of put out when he was excited. Maybe this guy's been to Pahrump. You know, he said my hometown. No, Vegas, and Art was like, oh, you know, Vegas, right? Finally, uh, Art has some theories, some ideas about why the government might have gotten involved in this case, and and why these six soldiers might have been set free. I wonder with the high profile of your case, if when they heard this, they had, uh, as I said, some other independent source, and uh, their view was, for something that came to you, you felt this strongly about, that they also know about, why would they put you in jail? That would be my view. If I were President Bush, and I had intelligence that other sources had been giving this, my inclination might not be to, you know, lock you up and throw away the key. Here's a couple of faxes. Dear Art, in order for these military people to have been let off easily at the direction of Bush or Dole, they may have been given some rather sensitive information by the entity via the Ouija board, perhaps potentially embarrassing information about the administration at the time. Please ask your guest if my guess is correct. Is it? Well, uh... The uh, Gulf War was part of the predictions, and exactly how long it would last and uh, how Saddam Hussein would not be hurt or anything else during the skirmish. So uh, there could have been things in there that were they would consider highly sensitive about many things that we had. As usual, everybody's making much more of a big deal about the fact that they didn't you know, get life in prison for going AWOL uh, than, than actually was the case. And, and that's... That's intentional. You know, you, you, you sort of you want to gin that up because you can you can sort of make yourself more mysterious and, and make things more of a conspiracy and and ooh, what's the real secret behind all of this? We'll see more of that 
after the break when we get to Vance Davis's book, Unbroken Promises, A True Story of Courage and Belief, which is the most generic uh, book title I have ever heard. Uh, he wrote it along with a guy named Brian Blashaw, about whom I've been able to find nothing, but according to the dust jacket, he's a writer and researcher who lives near Seattle. That's all I know about Brian Blashaw. So after the break, we're going to get into Unbroken Promises and Vance's second and I think final appearance on Coast to Coast AM in 1998 with none other than Richard Hoagland. Next time, we are heading further east and going further back in time to look at the classic UFO sighting events in Exeter, New Hampshire in 1965. If you like The Saucer Life and you want more, you can support us in exchange for bonus content from both this show and our other uh, Chizo Media show, Great Lakes Lore. You can check that out at patreon.com slash Media or via the link in the show notes or just Google Saucer Life Patreon. That'll all get you there. And you can check out past episodes at saucerlife.com or your favorite podcast app. As always, we're on the Twitter and Instagram at saucerlife. And you can email us at thesaucerlife at gmail.com. Or you can send us nice things by post at Chizo Media, P.O. Box 68, Grand Blank, Michigan, 48480. And some feedback from our first part of the Gulf Breeze 6 story. Red Pill Junkie says, many things pop into my head when listening about the Gulf Breeze 6. On the one hand, it is hard not to draw comparisons with Andrea Puharik and his wild goose chases when he was following the channeled directions of the Nine. On the other hand, the possibility that these individuals are being clandestinely exploited in some sort of MK ultra like experiment is difficult to disregard. The fact that they only received a general discharge instead of a far more severe punishment is, to me, one of the most puzzling aspects of this whole tale. Although I can see and I may be falling into the same conspiracy conspiranoid trappings that the ufo buffs suffered when reading about this story and tried to connect the dots too hard but there's also the fact that these guys worked in cryptology for army intelligence they were literally trained to look for hidden messages and people involved in the military are just like us curious fallible subject to the same anxieties and uncertainties about the future and people nowadays don't understand how scary the 90s were the fall of the soviet union the la riots saddam invading kuwait and just a susceptible and just as susceptible to psychological and psychic manipulation as the rest of us. Just look at some of the people responsible for the modern push toward disclosure. Well, that second part, absolutely. Um, you, you get involved with stuff. You start looking for secrets. You start looking for hidden meaning and hidden messages, and you can go down some interesting rabbit holes or be led down some interesting rabbit holes. And, uh, and, and yeah, it does feel a little bit like uh, Puharik and the Nine, and I wouldn't be surprised, like I said earlier, if there was some manipulation uh, being involved. But as far as severe punishment, I don't know. In the end, all they did was go AWOL. They, they, didn't, they didn't violate any security procedures. They didn't uh, take any documents. There was a, a thorough investigation. And I, I think the, the upshot was we just don't need these people. They're, they can't be trusted. We can't trust them anymore. They didn't do anything severely wrong. But what they did was irresponsible enough and honestly kind of weird enough that that we don't need them around secure information. Uh, but um, but yeah, I, I think there, there very likely was some kind of weirdness going on somewhere. This is all very strange. And I'm not sure that weirdness was a sort of group think that might have been brought on by psychic events or some sort of, you know, sinister, more terrestrial, normal 
scientific kind of manipulation, but things are, uh, things are very strange. So speaking of strange things, let's get back into it with Vance Davis's book, Unbroken Promises. So in 1995, Vance Davis and the co-author Brian Blashaw uh, released Unbroken Promises, A True Story of Courage and Belief. And there is a, a quote or a quotation rather, a quote is a verb, quotation is a noun, on top of the dust jacket that says, I will support and defend the Constitution of the United States against all enemies, foreign and domestic. So you can tell this is going to have a little bit of a political bent, uh, like we saw in the um, in, in some of the, the earlier material. Now, we're not going to go through this book extensively. Uh, he said in that uh, official program, he was writing a 300-page book. This ended up being um, exclusive of the photocopied government documents. Uh, it ended up being a, a little over about 212 pages. So he missed it by 100 pages. But um, it is a slim volume, 200 pages. The, the, the pages, the paper itself is thin. It is uh, a very plain book. There are no illustrations on it besides the uh, the photos of the authors. And uh, this book, which is autographed by Vance Davis, cost me $70. Yes, $70. It was – it hurt. It, it hurt. But I knew I probably couldn't do this episode without this book. So that, that was that – was this might have been the – I'm not saying it's the UFO-related purchase I regret the most, but it is it is right up there. So it begins with his um, with his life as a child in, uh, in in Kansas, and he talks about the Silva mind control system. He talks about how through meditation he creates like a room with a control panel and view screens where he sees what is coming and and what is. And I've read the Silva mind control stuff. That's how you're supposed to do it, but he. He conjured up a, a guide named Kia, like the Korean car company. And, um, so Kia gives him information and it's usually pretty boring, benign stuff, but it is, is almost like a, a contact experience sort of thing. There are heavy religious overtones to this. During one of his Silva mind control excursions, he comes to get acquainted with a very sort of well put together man who he refers to as Mr. Perfect, not Kurt Hennig from his old WWF days, but a, a physically pers- a perfect human. And it turns out obviously that this is Satan, um, and whose, whose real name cannot be mentioned. So that assumes that, uh, Satan has a, a, a different name somewhere, but, um, but Satan calls out Vance Davis as, as being one who will fight on the side of Jesus in the great war that is to come. So even early on in the first 50 pages of the book, Vance is sort of big upping himself as, you know, Jesus's, uh, sort of, sort of corner man in the, uh, the battle against the devil. For the most part, the book tracks the the story that we've heard on coast to coast the story that we've heard uh, in in the the official guide or program for that conference but it dwells more heavily on the religious aspects and the fact that they did uh, they did sort of get communication from an entity claiming to be the virgin mary and mary has some concerns mary expressed her concern about the statues and other images of her that are found in most churches 
It encourages people toward idolatry instead of focusing their attention on the Creator, who alone is deserving of our worship. She does appreciate our prayers, though, especially the rosary. Mary said that prayer helps many souls to move up the ladder. Love is the strongest force in the universe, she told us. When someone passes from one space to another, fond memories and prayers help push the soul forward. Negative thoughts, on the other hand, can sometimes trap a soul in this space without a body. Do you mean ghosts? Annette asked. Mary replied yes. They cannot move forward on their own and must be helped. She added that some can become very hurtful in this space. Why aren't they just sent to hell? Ken asked. Mary replied that hell has not been created yet. She urged us to read the Bible. That was a very charitable way for her to say it, since most of us hadn't a clue as to what most of the Bible said. We did investigate it, however, and discovered that hell will not be created until the judgment. Mary reminded us that no one knows the time of the judgment day, that even the guardians were not privy to such information. We were about to ask Mary about who or what these guardians might be when she rather abruptly said her goodbyes. She said that she would talk to us another time, but more important business needed to be discussed, that the guardians were anxious to talk to us and to teach us. I'm not Catholic, but I don't know. It, it seems like the Virgin Mary would be, you know, down with the rosary and everything. But I, I don't know. It's, it's weird that the, the Virgin Mary would have a, a such a sort of heterodox conception of hell and judgment. Um, and, you know, it's such a, I don't know. It just seems like very much a Protestants appropriating Catholic ideas kind of thing to hear not that i've really got a dog in the the catholic appropriation fight but it, it just seems a bit odd there are others besides the virgin mary and sapphire that talk to uh talk to the gulf breeze six one spirit who talked to them through the ouija board was a fellow named timothy and timothy was dropping some knowledge on them about what might be coming in the future Timothy began his part of the session by stating that the United States government was going to fall within the next 10 years to be replaced by something called the New World Order. None of us had ever heard the phrase, and we were all struggling with the idea that the greatest country in the world could go down the toilet, especially in such a short period of time. Later, after my arrest, my grandparents gave me a book by Pat Robertson called, you guessed it, The New World Order. It was not pleasant reading, nor was it fiction, nor was it anything we can afford to ignore. The more we learn about this order, the more nightmarish it becomes. A major problem lies in the fact that the United States is no longer the world power that it once was and has no security backing its money. The United States, for the last several decades, has spent more than it earned, and the same thing has happened to our government that happens to any other organization that is fiscally irresponsible. The exact words were, the USA is bankrupt. The financial slide became apparent in the 50s, so our august leaders and their infinite wisdom took our economy off the gold standard and the Federal Reserve brokered the sale of all the gold to various banking interests around the world. It soon became apparent, however, that those various interests were actually closer knit than imagined. The U.S. was forced to borrow to pay its debts, and then began to borrow to pay the interest on those debts, all the while incurring more and more debt. Ever tried floating your credit cards? Same thing, but on a monumental scale. Sapphire explained that Congress has no real power anymore, and that the real power lay in the hands of the bankers. You know, you pick up a book, or you drop 70 bucks on a book, and you think you're getting the inside story of what these Intel insiders knew, 
that made them flee their their assignment to go to the United States to tell people the truth about what they'd learned from the Ouija board. And you get a bunch of stuff about the gold standard and the international bankers and the new world order. And you just sort of realize that time is a flat circle and nothing really matters. Um, I'm not going to say that I was, I was quite that bereft when I read this section, when I got to this point, because I've been doing this a while and I know that at some point, 80% of people are going to bring up the, the gold standard and international bankers, no matter what the UFO or paranormal or, or conspiracy book is about. It, it's, it's just eight out of 10 times. It's, it's going to be there. It's like, come on now. You, you know, you know, it's there. You can't be surprised. Other things we see, other predictions, we get, um, we get some earthquakes. Uh, well, and they sort of talk about the predictions. And then in a later chapter, he sort of coalesce, collates all the predictions. I guess that's a time filler space. We get the stuff about beginning in 1995, the military will begin marking its soldiers. And they said, or Vance Davis said, you don't have to be a big believer in the Bible to not want the mark of the beast. Well, you, you kind of literally do. Um, other things. Oh, uh, another one of their, their channels through the Ouija board, Zechariah, um, had, uh, had a, a bunch of information and Annette was having to keep notes and she couldn't keep up because it was just an endless barrage of predictions and information. U.S. government closes borders with Canada and Mexico. Airspace over U.S. is restricted. Airliner is shot down. 302 passengers lost. Martial law declared. Constitution suspended for 90 days. Some EC governments controlled by terrorist activity. Safe house destroyed in Massachusetts. 120 arrested, 40 killed, 36 injured. Government reports 200 troops killed, 140 terrorists captured in raid on crack house. 20 major universities shut down. Social unrest in U.S. worsens. Military forces shipped home from overseas. Military personnel in Europe restricted to post for 30 days. Explosion in supermarket linked to terrorist. 80 killed, 200 injured. So are military forces being shipped home from overseas or is every American service person in Europe locked down on their base for 30 days? Pick one, Vance. Jeez, both can't be true. Uh, what else do we have here? We find out that... Um, one of their uh, one of the the Gulf Breeze Six who went by the nicknamed Crispy, his mom had uh, mobilized a formidable force. It says of senators and congresspersons, and as we understood it, our release had been ordered by none other than the president himself. In some interviews, Davis would would say that that President George H. W. Bush was in favor of releasing the Gulf Breeze Six, but um, Chairman of the Joint Chiefs Colin Powell was vehemently against it because he stood for military discipline. But George H. W. Bush knew what the real story was. What was the real story? Apparently that these predictions would embarrass them. So what were these predictions? Um, there, there's, uh, there, there's a few here that are interesting. Uh, earthquake will occur in Iran. Over 300,000 will be injured and killed. This was received from Sapphire in late 1990 or late May 1990. The Tehran earthquake occurred in June 1990. That earthquake did not kill th over 300,000. It did not kill and injure over 300,000. Um, the total number of dead and injured, if you take the top, the top most amount of the estimates of dead and injured, tops out at about 155,000, which is absolutely horrific. But you can't count it as a win. 
Sorry. Major UFO conferences canceled in Germany. So, yeah, that did happen. A war in the Middle East shall be a warning of Armageddon. It will involve the U.S., Iraq, and Israel. If Israel stays out, then the war will be short with 45 days of fighting. If not, the nuclear exchange could occur. And they said um, this was received in May of 1990. The Gulf War began in August when Saddam Hussein's forces invaded Kuwait. The actual battle lasted 43 days. Uh, again, it would be more impressive if we had those words somewhere before um, the actual event occurred. And what, wasn't Israel involved? I mean, Israel was attacked with Scud missiles. I remember the, the, the I, I, I wasn't there, but I remember. Um, I guess Israel didn't go on the offensive and invade Iraq is what his point is. Shuttle will not be launched if a fuel leak is caught in time. If not, then the Challenger disaster will be repeated. This was received by Vance in, in June of 1990. While at Annette's house in August 1990, seconds before liftoff, the launch was aborted because a fuel leak was discovered. Now, my problem with this prediction is that uh, the Challenger was not destroyed because of a a fuel leak, really. I mean, it, it, it it's, it's a problem. Uh, let's see. Unification of Germany will become a fact. It, in late 1990, it was noted by Vance several months before the event. Yeah, prove it. Uh, riots in Los Angeles will be a warning for future riots nationwide. Yeah, maybe. Again, we, we don't know. I mean, here's the thing. I've said this before. I'll say it again. The predictions that were in the government documents that the public had access to before the events occurred were much blander and more vague than this. It's so much, it's so easy to write up and say, look, we had all these things in our notes that were confiscated by the government, but we did, uh, we did predict it. Absolutely. So it's not often I say this, but this book is unnecessary. Uh, it's unnecessary for you to buy. It is unnecessary for you to read the best part of the book. The most interesting part of the book are the, uh, the documents from the questioning and affidavits and the original reports that were declassified later. And yes, those are floating around or you could file a, a FOIA request to get those. It's nice to have them in one place. It would have been nicer if it hadn't cost me 70 bucks to do so, which is, which is a problem. This book is not great. Uh, this book was published by um, White Mesa Publishing. Uh, which I think existed only to publish this book. But um, after this, Vance Davis would sort of go away for a while. And then he would surface in the strangest place on Coast to Coast AM with Art Bell again in 1998. This time sort of brought or rebrought to Art's attention by Richard Hoagland, uh, the face on Mars guy. And we're going to do a Richard Hoagland episode at some point, probably right before we do that Roswell episode. That will be the harbinger of the end of the show. But um, got some clips from this, and it's it's interesting because if you're familiar at all with with, with Richard Hoagland's shtick about hyperdimensional physics and the face on Mars and NASA cover-ups and Freemasons and things like that, uh, it, it's weird to hear him talking about this kind of stuff but he he works vance davis's material into his whole uh into his whole shtick and uh to, to start off before vance even appeared on the show there was a a little bit where hoagland talks about what science is and how science works 
And I want to bring on a couple of colleagues who will work very hard behind the scenes to provide some of this evidence. And we will let the people decide, because that's what science is. It's putting the evidence on the table and letting the body politic come to a decision. I am almost positive that is not what science is. Science isn't like, we got two options here. Folks, let's just, let's just let the mass of people, the body politic, decide what the truth is based on all of these different interpretations, including the most bonkers ones you can imagine. Um, Richard Hoagland, I must stress, is not a scientist. And that had nothing to do with the, the Vance Davis portion of things. I just thought it was really important to um, just illustrate what Hoagland's view of science is. But here, Hoagland tells Art how he discovered Vance Davis and, and sort of sort of realizing that Vance Davis was a thing. And this Coast to Coast episode, this is not one that has been re-released on the Art Bell Somewhere in Time series. Uh, this is a digitization that someone made off of their radio. I've, I've cleaned up the sort of late night AM static as well as I could. But uh, the, the quality is, is not um, pristine. All right. I want to be clear now about um, who you say Vance Davis is, and we'll do that by asking Vance Davis in a moment, but you say he is uh, a former NSA employee. Is that accurate? That is accurate. All right. It turned out a year later that as I'm sitting at my computer and CNN is coming on with this rather remarkable set of pictures of the World Trade Towers, that his words, you know, instantly came back to mind. Because the, the event, you know, the major explosion in New York City that he had uh, tipped me to, mm-hmm. in fact, had come to pass. Well, at that point, I got very intrigued with Davis and his associates. And there were other members of this cadre that he will refer to. So what Hokey is referring to there is Davis's prediction that the World Trade Center would be bombed in 1993. And he made this, and, and th- that he hipped me to, this event he hipped me to, um, Hoagland says, trying to sound way cooler than he ever was or ever will be. Um, it, Davis, if you recall from last time, we played those clips from uh, the Sightings TV program, he made those declarations on the sightings TV program. He didn't have to hip Richard Hoagland to anything personally. So Hoagland has a way of making things sound grander than what he was, uh, than, than what they were and grander make, making himself sound grander than what he was. Another interesting part of this episode is, um, Davis talking about the Silva mind control and sort of taking off and, and continuing on from what he said in that official conference program about the Silva mind control training, bringing him to the attention of the government. Uh, taking Silva mind control. Yes. By Jose Silva out of Laredo, Texas. Yeah, I'm familiar with it. Yeah, I took that class when I was a teenager, when I was in high school. My parents put all of us through it. My whole family took it. All right, so you're now suggesting that that had some bearing on why they picked you. It had a possibility. In my mind, I'm like, wait a minute. How did they get the information and some of the scores that I scored in those courses? Oh, come now. That's my, that was they're my the, thought. Mark. They're the NSA. They can do that. Yeah, well, that's that's the implication. I didn't know. I was 18 years old. I was uh, stupid. So just so you know, the Silva Mind Control Program, the, the basic book, it was I think I think it was Pocket Books published it. The the one of the original editions. You you could buy the Silva Mind Control Technique book 
in any bookstore on the paperback spinner rack back in the 1980s. Um, it's not like the sale, well, maybe the sales of it were all being tracked by the NSA through the, the barcodes that bookstores might scan. But if you paid with cash, how would they be able to track? Anyway, um, but you heard, you heard Hoagie kind of, kind of wanting to talk as, uh, Davis is finishing up that, uh, that little bit because you, you cannot stop Richard Hoagland from talking. Um, and it's, it's just frustrating, but amazing. And, and this is his, um, explanation for, for what might have been going on with the NSA being interested in what Davis was doing with Silva mind control as a teenager. Yes, can I interrupt for a second? Sure. There is a very well-done NBC television show, which is run now for a couple, three seasons, called The Pretender. Yep. And the concept is young children singled out as having special talents or abilities or, or potential and brought up in an isolated environment to serve something other than normal society. Okay, well, that makes sense. No, it doesn't. That that's not what Davis was talking about at all. In the Pretender, you, you you had kids taken from their families and raised in this in this horrible environment. It's much, it's much more akin to um, more MK Ultra type things. But uh, Hoagland just wants to make it clear that that he watched TV and apparently had a favorite show that he wanted to shoehorn into the conversation, which he does incessantly. Um, his entire calling his entire face on Mars thing the Enterprise mission was just a dumb star trek riff uh calling calling the webmaster scotty oh gosh i i just wanted to punch him i i we're not going to get that richard hoagland episode i i just i get i get to i get to head up so hoagland is is basically um just they're just going over Vance Davis's story and Hoagland is is jumping in here and it, it's really unfocused. The, the file I have doesn't have what the supposed topic of this Coast to Coast episode was. I, I think it's just it, Hoagland wanted Art to talk to Vance Davis and Hoagland wanted to talk to Vance Davis. It was very unclear. And what's interesting is to listen to it, when I first listened to this 1998 episode, it really seemed like Art had no idea who Vance Davis was, that he had never talked to him before. But then Davis says, well, I did talk to you back in 1994. And Art's like, well, of course, I remember that. I, I really don't think Art did. Um, one thing about Art Bell is, is when you listen to these episodes, um, there's – there's, you, you really do get the sense, and I, I think it's it's an honest thing, and I don't begrudge Art this at all. Art was not a deep devotee of any of these topics he really looked into. Art was an entertainer, and that's an, a wonderful, necessary thing. Uh, but I, I think sometimes people assume that Art Bell was a paranormal investigator or a UFO investigator of some kind, and, and, and he was not. He was a radio presenter. Here we have um, Hoagland talking about how Davis and the rest were discharged from the army because might as well get to it. Like so many stories of that sort, it died kaboom. Yeah, like that. It did. It, it's like an axe fell on it and cut off. Let me interrupt here, okay? When this was all going down, I was in Virginia. I was consulting with one of your radio colleagues, Art. We won't need to mention the name, but it was another network. Okay. And the Gulf War was, you know, going on. And this story flared briefly. 
six military, you know, enlisted personnel in key sensitive intelligence positions. Yes. Suddenly going AWOL. I remember. Showing up in Florida, being arrested, and everyone who was watching this with any interest thought they're, they're toast, they're history. Mm-hmm. What makes this so astonishing is that Vance Davis tonight is a free man sitting in Phoenix, Arizona. His colleagues are all free. They were cashiered out with honorable discharges. Yeah, the military somehow did this giant turnaround. Honorable discharges. Richard Hoagland can, can find the Freemasonic conspiracy within NASA. He can determine the, the purpose of hyperdimensional physics and its connection to Mars and ancient Egypt, but the man cannot read the damn newspaper, can he? Ugh, I... Mm, Hoagland. Hoagland. He is, he is my, he is my Lex Luthor. He, he really is. He really is my Lex Luthor. So Hoagland derails these things. He keeps talking. He talks over Vance. Can I, can I interrupt? Can can I interrupt here constantly to the point where at the top of the second hour, Art has to sort of reset and, and reboot the episode. All right. Let me relaunch the program this way. If I heard correctly, and I do think I heard correctly, Vance Davis, who was former NSA, has said to Richard uh, and myself and all of you just now that myself, as well as Vance, as well as Richard, are all unwitting dupes of the government behind the government. Uh, That is what you said, is it not? That is what I said. And the media falls into that category also. So Art and Vance are trying to get it back to 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 Vance's original points at his, in his book in in his previous appearance on Art Bell about the danger presented to the nation by the fake government or what have you. And 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 Hoagland just keeps bringing it back to uh, to all sorts of other things. And and he wraps it up by talking about. Um, uh, about by addressing a concern that a coast-to-coast listener raises. Art, the Gulf Breeze 6, and that's what you were called, Vance. You were one of the six, right? Uh, the Pensacola News Journal, yeah. Uh, called, called you the Gulf Breeze 6. We're given, we're given honorable discharges after they handed over 1,500 pages of notes. These pages contain predictions that were made in seven sessions using a Ouija board. Clearly, with all due respect to Vance, he is not as credible as Major Dames. For Richard to prop up Vance as a reliable source is questionable. Either one of you can may, may I hit that straight on the head? Yep. If we are dealing with an unconventional physics that allows us to transcend space and time and view events halfway around the world Russian submarines, all the interesting skullduggery that Ed and his colleagues were involved in, and the people at SRI before, and Hal put off before that, and Vance after that. Then why are we limiting the abnormal and forbidding us to consider that Ouija boards are also another technological tool of this hyperdimensional physics? In other words, the Ouija board is a hyperdimensional tool, just like remote viewing. It's all the same thing, and and maybe it is all the same thing. But what's what's glorious is is Hoagland declaring it to all be his thing, to all be hyperdimensional physics, much like the Gulf Breeze Six 
appropriated elements of Catholicism and 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 Marian reverence to um, bolster whatever point they were trying to make. So we have Richard Hoagland appropriating uh, the Ouija board into his hyperdimensional physics and appropriating Major Ed Dames. Um, I'm not sure Ed Dames is a good topic for the show, but uh, no, he probably isn't. But the Ed Dames things are are, are fun as well. So after this Art Bell appearance, I couldn't find any trace of Vance Davis after uh, after this appearance, and he he really is one of those I, I, sort of a misfire in the the UFO paranormal field because he never really gets off the ground to any particular direction. The the predict he's not really an Earth changes prediction guy. He's not really a UFO guy, even though there's aliens on the periphery of all this, but it's never really fleshed out. He's he's not really a sort of right-wing anti-New World Order, bring back the real constitution and hard money guy. He, he, just, he just sort of dabbles in all of these things and never really lands on any one of them in particular. And I think for that reason, he is, he is very much just this, this epitome of of the 90s, of the, the late 80s or the, the early 90s and and the mid-90s. And I wish I had something more um, more profound to to say about him, but but I don't. Um, he's just this, I don't want to say a dilettante, but there, there's a bit of, of, of dilettante to him. And, and it really is kind of a a letdown to the mystery of the Gulf Breeze six, because the, the initial story is so fascinating and so weird. And then, like I said, Davis keeps running with the ball and he, he runs it into the most nineties paranormal parapolitical quagmire you can think of. It's, uh, it's a little disappointing. I, I admit it might've been less disappointing had I paid less for his book, but, uh, it was, it was disappointing nonetheless, but a, a fun kind of disappointing, if, uh, if, if, if that makes sense. Thanks for listening. Remember to send in your questions and comments via the usual social media or email channels, and we'll be addressing those next time. Our associate producer is Simpson J. Hanover III, and The Saucer Life is a production of Chizo Media, LLC. Chizo Media, our heart is with the people. Till next time, keep watching the skies. Because the skies are watching you.